Well, greetings, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Extra Point Podcast. My name is Todd Stiles, one of the pastors at First Family Church in Ankeny, Iowa. Today is Tuesday, March the 7th, 2023. And on this episode in which we take a look back at last week's text and provide some further observation, deeper insight, even more application, I want to take a moment and discuss Psalm 126 and its connection to the Mosaic Covenant. Now, before you write me off as that sounds really boring, uh, just understand there is some uh, really radical implications that perhaps we're missing when we don't really understand the context um, and we'll call it the surrounding environment in which Psalm 126 was written. That was the psalm we looked at last Sunday. And uh, one thing we did not say much about, because it just takes more time and, and we didn't have all the time in the world Sunday to do this, but one thing we didn't say much about was the, the fact that it is connected to the expectations that God had for them to obey His law, to give an ear, um, an obedient ear to the Mosaic uh, law, which the Mosaic Covenant, we could call it. Some call it the Sinaiac Covenant. It's the book of Leviticus. It's the law of God. It's rehearsed again in Deuteronomy. Uh, a lot of it is compressed into the blessings and cursings of Deuteronomy 28. But here's how it's connected. So follow me and just kind of watch how this really works. You know, in the psalm, they're, they're remembering when God blessed their fortunes. And so they're talking about life under the Lord's blessing when they obeyed His law prior to their captivity, which, by the way, was His discipline of them, His punishment of them for disobeying the law, primarily their disregard of the Sabbath. So they disregard the Sabbath, they disobey the law, they commit horrendous idolatry, and God disciplines and punishes them by sending them into exile for 70 years, then he releases them, he brings them back into the land, and there they're requesting again, Lord, restore our fortunes. If you recall from the message, the first half of the psalm is past tense. They're remembering God's blessing. The second half of the psalm is a present request for future blessing, and they are obviously thinking, Lord, we're, we're back in the land. We're going to obey your law. We're going to be faithful to your covenant. And then in the last few verses, they use the uh, metaphors of sowing and reaping. And here's why they do that. Because one of the aspects of the Mosaic Covenant was that God would bless their land. And so the author here is thinking about a fertile, blessed land that God has blessed. He's thinking about uh, God sending the rain and causing the crops to grow. And there being a, an abundance of blessing for the people in an agricultural economy, no doubt. And if you recall, even one of the warnings God gave was that if they disobeyed, He would stop the rain. Uh, he would not allow their land to grow the crops. You can read a good bit about this in Haggai chapter 1. I think I mentioned that in the message as well. But it gives much more detail about how God would use the land um, and refuse to bless it and the agricultural aspect as a way to get their attention. And so when the author of Psalm 126 is talking about, we will go and sow in tears, I think being a picture of remembering God's blessing, and then he, the author says God will promise 
to uh, let us come back reaping, uh, bringing our sheaves with us, you know. He's simply saying that God will bless the obedient uh, um, servant. He'll bless his people in their obedience. It's a reference to the Mosaic Covenant and God's promise to bless them when they obey. And here's what I think is the radical implication. Often, we, we tend to shy away from such language. We tend to not like the phrase that obedience brings blessing because often we feel like it's a long pull to leverage God or perhaps we have the wrong idea of what blessing is. Uh, and we try to perhaps take the Mosaic Covenant and in very specific, concrete, you know, tit-for-tat ways, apply it to our culture today. No, Jesus Christ fulfilled that covenant. There is still, however, the principle that, that God does bless obedience. And I think understanding that the tone, the tenor, the real fundamental context of this psalm is a people knowing they're back in the land and they're committed to obedience and they can now with great confidence and humility know that God will bless. That is a principle we can bring into the time of the new covenant as well, that God will bless His people and the means by which He blesses them is uh, their obedience. We don't produce the blessing. We're not the source of it. We're not the manufacturers of it. God is the sovereign and sole distributor of his blessings, but he often does so in response to the obedience of his people. And that's why this psalm is such a beautiful motivator. It's a, it's a deep, deep and large nudge to making sure that we're hearing God's voice, knowing what he expects from us, and then with a willing heart, putting our hands to the plow and then sowing with these great tears of joy, we'll call them, with happy tears, knowing that as we obey, God will bless, protect, and care for His people. So I just want to kind of bring that to you and let you know that really the, the underpinnings of Psalm 126 are, are really tied to the Mosaic Covenant. And there's a beautiful picture there of God's people happily, willingly obeying the Lord and then having a humble confidence that He will bless them. And I take great comfort in this simple principle and this biblical theological truth that obedience does bring the blessing of God. Well, before I close today, let me just simply mention one other thing that I may have mentioned uh, Sunday in the message. If not, I know that we mentioned it as we close the service, and that is this. We are preparing for Passion Week 2023. It begins April 2nd with Palm Sunday, ends on uh, Resurrection Sunday, April 9th. Uh, between those two Sundays, um, we'll be looking at much that happened on the fourth, uh, maybe I should say the, the fifth night of Palm, excuse me, of Passion Week. Uh, it'll be Monday, Thursday. And so this year we are having a Monday, Thursday communion and prayer service. And then, of course, our Good Friday service will be on that Friday. And both of these are designed to help us understand more about the final hours of Christ's life. We're calling our time that week and the messages that are in that week, we're calling them eight days that changed history. And so there's Palm Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and of course, Resurrection Sunday, Easter 2023, April 9th. Now, let me just share just a word with you about Monday, Thursday, what it actually means, as well as Good Friday. 
I think most of us are aware of Palm Sunday, his triumphal entry, the beginning of those final days. And then, of course, Resurrection Sunday, celebrating the, um, the, the day that God brought Jesus Christ back to life and the resurrection and all that ensued from that. Often, there, the two days in between there, Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, we make some assumptions about what they mean. But just a little more here on this podcast about those two days to kind of help you get ready for them. Monday, Thursday is called Monday, Thursday, or sometimes it's called Holy Thursday. But it's called Monday, Thursday because Monday is the, uh, the root of the word commandment in Latin. And so it really refers to the time in that week when Christ gave His disciples a new commandment, which was to love one another. That was built around the foot washing. It was built around the Lord's Supper. Of course, the betrayal by Judas was the opposite of loving one another. So, so much of that night in Christ's life was around the idea of this new commandment. And so it's become known as Monday or Commandment Thursday or Holy Thursday. And so we'll take some time on that Thursday of uh, Passion Week to look at um, um, the command to love each other. We're going to be observing communion and the Lord's table, of course, having some time in prayer as Christ did with His disciples in the garden. So all of that Thursday service for us, about 45 to 50 minutes, will be geared around the idea of communion and prayer. That service, of course, will be at 6 o'clock on that Thursday. Um, and then the following day, Good Friday, we have two services, uh, 4.30 and 6. And some folks have asked me, you know, why is it called Good Friday when most much of what happened doesn't seem very good. And the reason is because the ultimate outcome of what Christ did on Good Friday is very good. And that is the reason it's called Good Friday, not because of the immediate circumstances, but because of the ultimate outcome. And we're so thankful and and deeply grateful that Christ did sacrificially give His life as a substitute, and that brought great and full and complete satisfaction to God's wrath. And so now all who repent and believe can be saved from God's wrath. That's why it's Good Friday. And so we're celebrating those two days this Passion Week. We'll begin, of course, with Palm Sunday, conclude with the Resurrection Sunday. That's in store beginning April 2nd all the way to April 9th. I want to encourage you uh, to really be involved in each one of those services during that week and get the most out of Passion Week 2023. If you have any questions, feel free to Uh, Call our office, email or text us. We'll do all we can to help. Thanks for listening today to the Extra Point Podcast, and I'll talk to you next Tuesday on another episode of the Extra Point Podcast.